music. Cut the music. Just cut the damn music. I need to ask you all a serious question before we get into anything that's going on in today's episode. Does anyone know how to light a three-wick candle? Because I do not. I do not know how to know how to light it. I burn the my knuckles every single time I get to that third wick. I just can't do it. And now I'm looking at the candle that I've tried to light for the past 10 minutes. I only have one wick lit, which I thought I had two. I guess one of them burned out, and then I just I have to forfeit before I even get to the third wick. So if anyone has any tips, tricks, anything like that on how the fuck to light a three-wick candle, I'd greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Welcome back, everyone. I just had to get that off my chest before we begin this episode. I believe that this is episode eight of season three. We are moving along at a very nice pace. I'm very happy with the way things have been turning out lately this past week or so, maybe past 10 days. I haven't come out with as many episodes as I'd like. I only had, I think I had the uh, top 10 quarterbacks of all time, which came out a couple days ago. And then before that was the uh, Jets training camp preview with Harrison Glazer. And that came out last Friday, I want to say, but I've been working on a couple things. Um, This is being recorded at 10.04 Sunday night. So you'll most likely hear this Monday morning. I just released a, I was very bored today and I was just working on a ton of things. Um, I just put out a new video, uh, kind of random. It's a, it's a compilation video. I, I've just been so like intrigued with Shohei Otani lately that I decided to make uh, a video of all 37 of his home runs so far this season. I know that sounds total fanboy and everything like that, but just hear me out. As a, as an aspiring YouTube sports channel, there's one name right now that can get you a ton of views, and it's been proven already with me, and that's Shohei Otani, baby, let me tell you. Because a couple days ago, I've been posting, I, I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, I believe, uh, that I've been posting sports clips, what I think is, you know, like the highlight, I guess, in air quotes, of the day. I don't want to post too many clips, because then I feel like I oversaturate the market, uh, there is an account that I follow, actually, that does that, and it kind of bothers me a little bit. But they always hit with a couple of their that with a couple of their videos, like the one of the clips that they put up in the last few months was the Yankees triple play to end the game, and they got 117,000 views on it. So I was like, oh, I want a piece of that pie. But anyway, what I'm really getting with this is that Shohei Otani hit an absolute moonshot. I believe it was like Monday or Tuesday last week. Uh, he had like 463, and it was in a blowout game against Colorado. They were losing 10 nothing at the time he hit it. And I just thought it was such a moonshot. It was 463 to like right center field, like halfway up the bleachers in um, the Angel Stadium. And I was like, eh, I'll put it up on, on YouTube. I'll forget about it because it also happened at like... Just a quick side note before I continue with this. I like these clips because you could post it at any time at night. There's not like a... Like a zone. I feel like every time I post an actual YouTube video, I have to post it within a time frame. Anywhere between like 12 o'clock in the afternoon and like 5 o'clock is like your your max. If you're not really that popular, like my channel isn't that big yet. If you, know, if, if you have a big channel, you could post whatever the hell you want whenever you want. That's the beauty of having a following. But if you're trying to gain a following, I feel like you really need to have like a regimented schedule when you post. So I do try and post at 12 o'clock like every time that I post an actual YouTube video, not these clips. 
But anyway, so I posted it. It was like 1.30 and nah, maybe like 1 o'clock in the morning I posted it. And I forgot about it. I, I turned my phone off. I went to bed. And I woke up at like 3.30 to go pee. And I just looked at my phone. I always just glanced just to make sure, you know, I, I didn't miss any like important phone calls or no one texted me. There's no emergencies. I don't know. It's just a thing that I have that every time I go to pee in the middle of the night, I come back. I always check my phone anyway. And I saw I had a bunch of notifications from YouTube studio. So I was like, oh, that's cool. And within like two hours, it already had like a thousand views. Like these people don't care. Like Shohei Otani's name is attached to it. You're going to get views. So like I've tried to experiment with that. It's not really working right now with this video, but it's also a compilation video that like no one's really looking for. So I guess I just have to wait until he hits like another home run or something. Anyway, I just thought it was a cool little side project. I mean, I was kind of bored and then. I'll, I'll give you guys a little insight on what I'm working on next. I'm working on this really, really in-depth video. I want this to be my, my greatest production value video yet, and I'm going to be doing the rise and fall of Josh Hamilton because everyone forgets about the former MVP and what he meant to the game of baseball. I mean, especially for me, like, that 2008 home run derby performance was, like, second to none, and, like... He was the legitimate face of baseball for like 18 months, and then it just all fell apart. I'm in the midst of writing it right now. I've already written about mm, two-fifths. I know it's a weird fraction. I don't want to say half because I don't think I'm close to being halfway done yet. Around half. We'll just we'll just call it half. And I, I really want people to get pumped about this. I'm really going in-depth with like you know his substance abuse problems. I don't really want to do that because I like to respect people's privacy and and but you know if we're going to talk about Josh Hamilton you have to talk about the substance abuse problems and and you know his his everlasting battle with it in rehab out of rehab you know hitting 500 foot home runs being injured you know it's just he has such a fascinating career but anyway I'm going to get into all of it I hope you guys are pumped for it let me know what you guys think about that idea I want to do more it's it's more like a like a short documentary based episode and I really think that that's cool I think I've done that a couple times before I did it with um the Brady six I, that was a couple months ago I don't know if anyone remembers that but I I did like a where are they now with the six quarterbacks that were taken before Tom Brady in the 1999 NFL draft and it did well it got it you know it got a lot of nice comments um a lot of people really enjoyed it so I kind of wanted to get back towards that and really talk about where are they now? Some, some of the guys that we've really forgotten about, and I feel like Josh Hamilton is definitely someone that hasn't trans transitioned excuse me, into life after baseball that well. So I, I really want to put a limelight on it and, and, you know, really get into it because it's something that you don't think about every day. Like, if I saw that YouTube video, I would have to watch it because I don't wake up and think about Josh Hamilton. But then you'd think to yourself, you're like, huh, I forgot about that guy. Let me watch this and see what it's all about. So that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping I'm getting into the algorithm, hopefully. I don't know. I've been getting a lot of those, like, sex bots. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but, like, they just comment a bunch of, like, bullshit, like, links to, like, sex hookups and shit underneath your, your videos. And I think it's absolutely hilarious. But anyway, really, really excited for that one. I hope you guys get pumped for it as well. Let's get into this video before, I don't know, my computer's spazzing out. Give me a second. All right, yeah, I'm back. I don't know what the hell happened there, but nevertheless, uh, my computer was moving in a very blocky image type of way, and I thought 
it wasn't picking up the audio, but it, indeed it is. So without further ado, let's get into this, or at least start talking about what I want to talk about today. And that was this past weekend. And this past weekend was absolutely bonkers. It doesn't even matter what sport you're talking about. I mean, we got the Olympics going on. First off, I'm not an Olympics guy. I do not care for the Olympics. I'll watch swimming. I'll watch track and field. I'll watch the USA men's basketball team beat Botswana by 98 points. Um, you know, but other than that, I'm not really a fan. I think it's just a gross indulgence of patriotism and, and nations flexing who has the most money. I really think that's what it's about. That's just my opinion. You could totally disagree with me. That's fine. But, you know, I, that's, I just don't really care for it that much. But we got that going on, of course. Then you have NHL, like, between the trades and free agency that's going on. They had the expansion draft a couple weeks ago. Absolutely nuts what's been going on over there. I did want to do an episode about it. I just didn't have the time last week. I was going to come home after work and record an episode about it, but it just, like, the timing didn't seem right. Sometimes I really got to be in the mood for it, especially after work, because I'm still getting home at, like, 12.45, so... You know, to get on the mic after that, it, it's really got to be something that I'm passionate about. I'm really trying to get more into the NHL reporting type of scene like I do with basketball every once in a while, like I do with football, like I do with baseball. Just not there yet. But, you know, I will be doing a preview before the season if that makes people feel better and everything like that. I really do because I love hockey. Anyone who knows me knows that I really love hockey. So I really do want to get into talking about it more and if someone who's listening to this podcast knows exactly what I'm talking about I'm hoping to get him on uh you've heard him before I'm not going to mention his name but he knows exactly who he is he's my good friend and I love talking hockey with him hopefully he can come on within the next few weeks totally no pressure with him love the guy can't wait to see him we're going to go to the driving range that's how you know I love this guy because I don't go to the driving range with anyone else I don't like golf that much but I do like the driving range. He's the only person I'll go with. So I hope you're listening, bud. Anyway, yeah, between the NHL free agency that's been going on and then you have the NBA draft was this past week. And then, of course, with the draft comes trades. Uh, just absolutely nuts shit going on there. And then, of course, we had the trade deadline for the MLB. And this has been the most wild trade deadline I can remember this is more wild than the 2008 like 3 50 p.m where Manny Ramirez got traded from the Red Sox to the Dodgers like that that this was just on another level like and it stood the best part was they didn't wait either the action started like a week before the trade deadline I think the first trade that really set everything off was like Jock Peterson going to the, the Braves like a week before the trade deadline then things really started to fall into place. Then people were going two days before, 24 hours before. I really like that. I don't like, you know what What always makes me laugh about like the trade deadline? I feel like the MLB like tells these teams to wait until like 3.56 to make a deal or something. Because like you have the entire season. Okay, I get like you have to wait until the last possible moment to see if you're a buyer or a seller. I get that. But like. By the turn of April, um, not April, by the turn of July, you should know exactly what you are. If you're a seller or if you're a buyer, like you don't go to Colorado, who's like 4,000 games under 500 and go, well, you know, I, I think we have a little, you know, we have a legitimate shot of turning it around. Um, I think we're going to keep story, which they did somehow. Um, Yeah, and uh, we're not going to sell at the trade deadline. Obviously, they're going to trade. They're going to sell at the trade deadline. Like, you're that far under 500. Same thing with Arizona. Shocked that Arizona didn't get rid of Cattell Marte, David Peralta, Pavin Smith, guys like that. 
like like Zach Gallen, Madison Bumgardner, shocked. They like didn't even make like any moves, which beyond crazy. I'm I'm assuming the asking price was way too high because everyone realized that the you know like it's funny because you would think that when a team is so bad like Arizona, you would think that they don't care about who they trade or anything like that. No, it's the opposite. The ball is totally in Arizona's court because they have all these great players that are suffering on this bad team that want to get out. And they'll do anything to get out. But Arizona's like, look, you got to give me something good. So I'm assuming teams called for Cattell Marte, David Peralta, guys like that because, you know, David Peralta's a great lefty bat. Cattell Marte could play second base, could play center field. He's a switch hitter. He's young. He's fast. He's a good hitter. I'm sure teams came calling, but... You know, the asking price was probably just too much. So I, I was very surprised that they they stood their ground and they didn't trade for just peanuts because as we will get into it, there were some massive names that got traded for fucking peanuts, let me tell you. But I came across this list uh, about an hour ago, an hour and 10 minutes ago from FoxSports.com ranking all 56 deals from a wild MLB trade deadline. I'm not going to be going through all 56, obviously. There are some along the way that I do want to talk about, just make some quick side notes. I really just want to talk about their 10, their top 10 that they have ranked. But as I'm scrolling through here, there's just a couple that, you know, catch my eye. I'm looking Michael Chavis to the Pirates uh, from from the Red Sox. And then you have, you know, Jordan Luplo and DJ Johnson to the Rays, John Lester to the Nationals, Daniel Norris, which is a nice little bullpen piece for the Brewers. Had a great trade deadline. We'll get into that. Uh, The Cardinals got J.A. Happ and J.A. Happ for John Gant. And it's funny because Gant has actually been pretty good for them this year. I think he has like a 3.6 something ERA. I don't have the stats in front of me, but he's just, he walks way too many people. I think in like 57 innings pitch he had like 43 walks which is literally crazy like you see that in like my men's league guys have a better like walk ratio (laughs) than that guy but Hap is having a legitimately terrible season it like shockingly terrible like his last eight starts his last 12 starts he's had like an over eight era his era gets even worse if you take like his first four starts of the season out he's been borderline horrific but i'm assuming um St. Louis is opening up a retirement home because, you know, they have John Lester. Now they have Jay Happ and they have Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. So I'm just assuming that they're trying to acquire as much elderly talent as possible and, you know, serve up that cream of wheat or whatever the hell they got going on there in Bush Stadium. But I thought those were two interesting pickups. I'm assuming they're just going to try and squeeze whatever they possibly can into those two guys. Obviously, veterans. St. Louis is on a playoff hunt. So, you know. Jay Happ and John Lester's playoff experience is invaluable at that point. A nice little addition here from the Mariners. They acquired Tyler Anderson. Um, initially, Philadelphia had a deal in place with the Mariners to get Tyler Anderson. That fell through. I'm not really sure why, but then the Mariners came and scooped him up. A nice lefty starting pitching option for the Mariners who have been a little bit desperate from the starting pitching. And they're actually on like a borderline like playoff team like they for a while up until about today or yesterday they had a better record than the Yankees so you know they they're surprising a lot of people so why not take advantage of it I I I get it 100% and then you got the Astros who really really focused on bullpen help 1000% because that has been 
undoubtedly their weakest part of their team. They acquired Yimmy Garcia from the Marlins. A lot of relievers went, man, a lot of relievers. I mean, just listen to this list. I'm going to go, I'm going to rattle on for a little bit here. You got that one that's basically started everything, Yimmy Garcia to the Astros. Then the Giants got Tony Watson from the Angels. I'm pretty sure he was on the the, the Giants like last year or two years ago. The, a big one here, the White Sox get Brian Tapera and the, from the Cubs. The White Sox and the Cubs made a couple trades. You don't really see that too often. But the Cubs just sold the entire farm, like legitimately the entire farm. I feel bad for Wilson Contreras. He's like the only one left on that entire team. But, yeah, that's a nice little pickup for the White Sox. They have an absolutely deadly end of the bullpen. We'll get into one of those trades in a little bit. But Liam Hendricks and then you add Ryan Tapera. And then, obviously, you guys know that they added Craig Kimbrell as well, but which is, again, another trade. There you go, from the White Sox and the Cubs. But absolutely loaded back into the bullpen. The White Sox are the team to beat, in my opinion, from the AL. The Brewers get Johnny Curtis, another nice little um, bullpen piece there. The A's get Andrew Chafin from the Cubs. The Blue Jays got Joaquin Soria, who somehow is still playing baseball. Didn't even know that you see like that's how bad the Diamondbacks have been that I didn't even know that Joaquim Soria was was on them. I think he's like forty seven and a half years old at this point in his career, but still effective. He's still getting traded to teams that are on the cusp of the playoffs. He, he's a valuable valuable bullpen piece. And then this is my favorite trade of anything. Screw whatever else the Yankees did. The Yankees traded Luis Sessa and Justin Wilson to the Reds for a bag of potato chips and a Pepsi. A flat Pepsi to be named later. Shoot Luis Sessa and Justin Wilson into the sun. I'm being really hard on Luis Sessa because he actually had a really good two-year stretch. But the only, like, fans that aren't Yankee fans don't understand that Luis Sessa only comes into the game when the game is out of reach. Either the Yankees are getting blown out or the Yankees are blowing someone out. Luis Sessa's stats are extremely deceiving. And then Justin Wilson has just been a horrible, horrible, horrible free agent pickup for the the Yankees. I'm glad that they shot him to Cincinnati. They could have shot him wherever they wanted to. That would have been fine with me. And then we're going to go on a little tangent here with the Braves. The Braves went all power. Losing Ronald Acuna, they didn't know how to cope with losing Ronald Acuna. And they had a fantastic trade deadline. They acquired Steven Vogt, another guy who I had no idea was still playing baseball, uh, of course, because he was playing for the Diamondbacks. And they also got Eddie Rosario, who's had a nice little season um, when he's healthy for the Cleveland Indians slash Guardians. Then the Braves, who didn't want to pay Adam Duvall in the offseason and saw how little he signed for, was probably like, no, you know, like Homer Simpson, and was like, well, we might as well get him back. So they got Adam Duvall back. They got Jock Peterson, that's what I said. They got Jorge Soler. And then after all the power was done, they figured, oh my God, Richard Rodriguez is still on the Pirates. It's three it's 3.30, and no one has called for him. Let's go get him. So they got a really nice back end of the bullpen piece there in Richard Rodriguez. He had a great year last year, and he was serving as the closer for the Pittsburgh Pirates this year. I don't know how many save attempts he gets pitching for the Pittsburgh Pirates, but Godspeed to him. Now he's on a better team. Not too much better, but he's on a better team now. And that's something that they really needed. That is that is something that they've needed since spring training was a good back end of the bullpen piece. Excuse me, I'm going to take a sip of water. I've been talking a lot. Oh, yeah, that's good. So, yeah, the Braves had a, a, a excellent trade deadline. Um, the Yankees got Clay Holmes 
from the Pirates, and the only reason I'm bringing that up is because the first time I saw him pitch ever in his life was today, and he actually threw a couple really good innings. He, a funny little stat about him, my Yankee fans will know because Michael Kay wouldn't shut the hell up about it the entire time he was pitching today, was that he has the highest ground ball rate in the major leagues at 75%, and just for a little... Sorry, I... Throat's, my throat's burning right now. I don't know what's going on, but just for a little comparison, the MLB average for a pitcher ground ball rate is 49%, so Clay Holmes above and beyond is way over the, the average. Um, look in here. The Padres got Jake Marisnik. Nice little little depth piece there. The Astros got Phil Matten from the Indians from Miles Straw, and I kind of feel I they traded Miles Straw and didn't get too much back for him. Miles Straw has been pretty solid this year. He's hitting like 260. He, he has no power, but he's really fast. He's a good top of the lineup or bottom of the lineup hitter if you want to use him as like a second leadoff guy. But I'm surprised that they parted ways with Miles Straw so easily just to get Phil Madden, who hasn't really had that great of a season. I think his ERA is like in the mid fours at best. And then um, scrolling here, and then the Mets got Rich Hill. Another guy, I mean, absolute trooper. He, I was in diapers when that guy like debuted in the MLB. So hats off to Rich Hill. I think he pitched today, actually, or yesterday, and and he didn't pitch that bad. Rich Hill's been a really, really. I love watching guys like him pitch because he's a pitcher. He's crafty. He doesn't go up there. The the his he's gonna top out at ninety one. He's gonna put the ball all over the place, different arm angles. He's got a wicked curveball. Crafty little lefty. I love to see it. Love seeing things like that. Another big one for the Astros. An inter an interdivision trade, which kind of uh made me feel weird and also made the players in in the organization feel weird was the Astros got Kendall Graveman from the Mariners for Joe Smith and Abraham Toro. Uh well kind of a head scratcher. Kendall Graveman's having a fantastic season. Definitely thought they could have gotten more from a different type of team maybe not in their division that'll come back and bite them in the butt eventually but listen i am not a front office man and then they turned right around then they got diego castillo from the rays you know i'm putting my phone down as you could hear it hit the table the rays bothered the shit out of me because one day they're going for it they're trading for nelson cruz you know the this and that and they're gonna bulk up their lineup and the next day they're trading um, relievers, they're trading Diego Castillo, who's arguably been their best reliever over the past couple years. They traded Jose Alvarado before the season started. Like, I don't get it. They're weird, man. They're weird. I think they made another trade too that I'll get into soon. But like, I I, just, I, I don't understand. Like, are you either you're in or you're out. Come on, guys. I think it bothers me that much more that they are never either in or out, and they're always just so good that they make the playoffs anyway. It bothers the hell out of me. Um, Yankees got Andrew Heaney from the Angels. Uh, he's a free agent after this year. He's got like a 527 ERA this year. I think he's like five and six. So hopefully the Yankees see something in him that no one else in the major league sees. Andrew Heaney is like a borderline adequate starter, borderline adequate. Um, the A's got a nice little one, two from the nationals between Jan Gomes and Josh Harrison. I actually turned on the A's angels game today, just in time to see Jan Gomes hit like a 500 foot home run. Oh, absolutely ripped it. That's an, it's a nice little bench bat for the A's as well. Josh Harrison's having a really good year. Borderline hitting 300. Showed some power. He's got, I think, like eight home runs. He's 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 played really well so far. Uh, a, another really good one. Um, 
to make up for Nick Madrigal being out for the rest of the season was the White Sox getting Cesar Hernandez. A lot of interdivision trades now that I'm looking at it again. Like, I guess these teams just don't give a shit anymore. Like, if you're out, you're out. They don't even care. They don't, they, they, it used to be, oh, I don't want to help my division rival now. It's like, eh, take it for a bag of chips. Who cares? So the White Sox get Cesar Hernandez, who's having a power surge this year. I think he's got like 18 bombs, but he's also hitting like 230, but. You know, that's how baseball is nowadays. You, average doesn't matter. It's all about the pop, baby, all about the pop. And then we're getting into, like, the top 15 here, or really the last five before I want to talk about each individual one for the top 10. The Brewers get Eduardo Escobar from the D-backs, and this was a really good trade for the Brewers. They were one of the sneaky good teams from the trade deadline. They just went in, got what they needed, and got the hell out of there and didn't give up too much. Eduardo Escobar was a really, really nice piece to pick up because they had Jace Peterson playing third base for the majority of the year. And don't get me wrong, Jace Peterson, Major League Baseball player, better than me in probably every aspect of life. Not an everyday third baseman. They went out and they got an everyday third baseman who could hit the shit out of the baseball. And that's exactly what the Brewers need, especially with Christian Yelich struggling and also on the COVID-19 IL right now, so... Really, really nice pickup there for them. Um, the Padres got Adam Frazier from the Pirates. The rich get richer. I don't understand. Um, I was trying to think about it in my head. Um, if I could remember correctly, I don't really know what the injury situation is. In, in, well, now we know that Fernando Tatis is on the 10-day IL. But before that, I'm looking at Victor Caratini or Austin Hedges behind the plate. You got Manny Machado at third, Fernando Tatis Jr. at short, Jake Cronenworth at second, Eric Hosmer at first, Tommy Pham in left, Trent Grisham in center, and in right field you have Will Myers. So where the hell does Adam Frazier fit into this? He didn't just trade him, trade for him to be a bench bat because the guy has the most had the most hits in baseball at the time and had like the third highest average. I don't know what they're trying to do. Um, I also feel like. I feel like they thought Jake Cronenworth's season was a fluke last year, so they signed Ha Young Kim. They were like, oh, he's going to battle Jake Cronenworth for the, the starting second baseman spot. And then Cronenworth just like hit the shit out of the baseball for the entire season so far, and then they're like, well, we're going to get Adam Frazier. So hopefully Jake Cronenworth will get the hell out of there, and then Cronenworth is just tearing it up still. So like, I don't know if they're trying to like get Cronenworth out of this organization or what, but I don't know what they're doing with Adam Frazier. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't get to see San Diego too often. So I don't know where they're playing him, but now I'm assuming that either Cronenworth moved to third and Machado slid over to short, and then Adam Frazier is playing second base now. So I guess it worked out if you're looking at it right now. But at the time, I was kind of scratching my head. And then the Padres also got Daniel Hudson, nice back end of the bullpen piece. Um, has pitched in the highest stress situation ever, well, a one-run game in Game 7 of the World Series. So you know he's battle-tested, battle-proven. He can handle the big moments. Then the Blue Jays, who just... Knocked it out of the park as well in this um, trade deadline. They got Brad Hand, who I thought they were going to sign anyway, but good for the Nationals organization. They signed him, realized that he wasn't what what they thought he was going to be, and they wound up flipping him for prospects. Good for them. They got got out of that one-year $15 million deal. The Phillies got Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy. Those are two names from about seven years ago that you'd be like, why the hell would anyone want to trade for them? And then I tell you, that Kyle Gibson has a sub three ERA in like 17 starts this year, and Ian Kennedy's sub is like is like sub two five out of the bullpen. 
yeah, that's a blast from the past that'll hit you hard. But they also traded their top pitching prospect for for both of those guys. So the Phillies really must feel like they have a chance to win this division. I mean, the division is definitely up for grabs. But to trade Spencer Howard for the Spencer Howard, excuse me, for those two guys, mm, I don't know. I was kind of questioning it. But then again, these guys are proven major leaguers, and Spencer Howard struggled in 52 in the third innings in the major leagues. So you never know how these guys are going to pan out. So on paper, it doesn't look good, but on the field, Gibson and Kennedy is probably way better than Spencer Howard. And straight up, A's get Starling Marte from the Marlins for Jesus Lazardo, and Lazardo has been looking like a borderline bust since he broke onto the major league scene. But then again, Miami has been just absolutely chef's kiss with young talent, pitching talent especially. Um over the past like year and a half, and they, they got Sandy Alcantara, they have uh, Trevor Rogers, they have Edward Cabrera, they have Sixto Sanchez, and now they have Jesus Lazardo. I don't think they have a starter that's like over the age of 25, so that's unbelievable, unbelievable job by the front office of the Marlins, and then especially that Starling Marte was going to be a free agent at the end of this year, and he, he was playing well, but you know the Marlins aren't really anywhere near a playoff spot, so what is he doing for them? So it, kudos to them for getting what they could for him, and they got a, a hell of a prospect who hasn't panned out yet, but they could always unlock something in him that un- unlocks the rest of his potential that we saw in him early on in his career. And the Red Sox get Kyle Schwarber, of course, naturally. Now it's okay, that's a really nice left-handed bat for a very right-handed heavy lineup, I feel like, especially right-handed power-wise. You know, they got... Uh, um, excuse me, they got Xander Bogarts, you know, they have Christian Arroyo when he's healthy, they have Hunter Renfro, they have a very right-handed power-based lineup, except for, of course, Rafael Devers, they have J.D. Martinez, who's a right-hander, so really only, um, ugh, I'm drawing a blank on his name, so Bobby Dahlback as well, so, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to use Schwarber in the outfield, maybe they could use him at first base, because Dahlback has still been struggling, I think he's batting like just over 200, so... Dahlback is struggling. Maybe they could platoon those guys, DH and and you know first base, whatever it is, or maybe they'll have him play left field and just keep JD cemented at the DH position where he is at his best all the time. So it's a really good acquisition. That's um they needed a little bit of left-handed pop for them. So good for them. Fuck the Red Sox, but good for them. Um, <laughs> the Rays got the ageless Nelson Cruz from the Twins, and it's so funny because I did a video, uh, the biggest disappointment biggest disappointments from the first half of the MLB season and that video itself was a disappointment I thought I did a good job but you know whatever the algorithm is brutal people what can I tell you sorry my water bottle hit the microphone there but nevertheless and I said the twins were one of the biggest disappointments of this season because they have 41 year old DH who is leading them in every single offensive category pretty pathetic if you ask me especially with the amount of talent that they have on that team that's pretty sorry, but the Rays get exactly what they need, power. The Rays have no power besides for Brendan Lau, so that is, like, literally what they needed, a nice right-handed bat, and then, of course, they go and trade, you know, like, other players that could have helped them either. I tell you, it just bothers me, man. They, they Topsy-turvy, just pick one fucking side. You want to be a seller, and they'll probably still be good, or you want to be a buyer and actually gets, acquire some talent and win a World Series. Whatever. I'm just a sad Yankee fan. Things are looking up, though. They swept the Marlins. And then they have three games against the... the I was going to say the Ravens. <laughs> they have three games against the Orioles coming up. So, 
nice little chance for six straight right there. Anyway, great acquisition for the Rays. Then, of course, the piece de resistance for the Giants this season, getting Chris Bryant. At the, at the beginning of the season, if anyone told me that the Giants would have the best record in the NL or basically in all the major leagues, I would have think, thought that you're absolutely crazy. I said it from the beginning that I thought that the Giants lineup was good enough to win them a few games and their pitching wasn't going to be good. It's really the opposite. Their lineup has been good. You know, they've got resurgence from Brendan Belt, Brendan Crawford, and Buster Posey, but they needed another nice right-handed bat. They also had a, a nice little season from Evan Longoria. I think he's on the IL now, though, unfortunately. But getting Chris Bryant is huge. I'm pretty sure he's a free agent at the end of this year or the end of next year. I don't remember what they gave up for him. Maybe it says it right here. I, I thought at the beginning... I thought they gave up Joey Bart, who's like one of like the top ten prospects in baseball, and I almost threw up in my mouth, but then I realized that they did not. They gave up two lower prospects for him. So the Cubs did a really good job of replenishing their farm system. They got a couple players that are going to come up and be immediate stars. I think Pete Crow Armstrong, who they got from the Javier Baez deal, is going to be a starter next year or something. We'll get into that in a minute, but... The Giants got exactly what they needed. They got a little right-handed pop. He's very versatile. He's probably the only, legitimately saying this, he's probably the only third baseman in baseball that could play center field as well. Extremely versatile is Chris Bryan. He could play all over for them if needed. And once Evan Longoria comes back healthy, they probably will need him to maybe switch up positions. Who knows? Um, Then we go into number six, and the Blue Jays got Jose Barrios. For Austin Martin and uh, Simeon Woods Richardson, that is, I think that was one of their biggest prospects. I think if I was looking at MLB.com pipeline right, um, those two prospects in no particular order were number 23 and number 48 on the top 100. So the Blue Jays definitely paid, definitely paid for Burrios. But, you know, you get exactly what you pay for. That's a, that is your ace now. You just paid for an ace and you gave up. You know, two good prospects, but now this is a proven guy who has been at the front of the rotation for his entire career up until this point. I think he came in with an 8-4 and four record with a 2.75 ERA. He pitched today. He pitched six shutout innings, seven strikeouts. Wicked curveball. Always got wicked stuff. And they were going to have to pay. They were going to have to pay. That's It's just how it goes. You want a guy like that at the trade deadline, you're going to have to pay. And that's what they needed. They needed pitching. And they absolutely went after it. They got Brad Hand. They got Jose Barrios. And it kind of hurt me as a Yankee fan. I really wanted Barrios, but I'm assuming they wanted a little bit too much. And and I can can understand that. I don't like to just drain the bank, if you know what I mean. But Barrios comes with another year of control. So that also factors into the price that you're going to pay. It's not just going to be a, a, you know, half a year rental. You're going to get another full year out of him. So, you know, you get what you pay for. But Barrios is a great front of the of the rotation guy that the Blue Jays desperately needed to not only make a playoff push, just in general. I mean, how much was Robbie Ray and Hunjin Ryu going to get you? You know, Robbie Ray strikes out a ton of guys, but he also gives up a ton of home runs. So they needed something, and they definitely got it. And then at number five, they have the Yankees getting Joey Gallo. And I got to be honest with you, was not a fan of the – like, all right, don't get me wrong. Let me rephrase that. I was a fan of the move because I like Joey Gallo and I like the idea of what he could do in Yankee Stadium, especially with another year of control, a full year in Yankee Stadium. The guy might hit 60 home runs just at Yankee Stadium next year. But I wasn't in love with it because at the time, the Yankees needed 
anything other than Joey Gallo, and they went and got Joey Gallo, and they paid five prospects from five prospects. They got uh, a left-handed reliever as well. He pitched today. He threw one pitch, and I think he got the win, actually. So that's pretty funny. But, yes, they got a left-handed reliever, and they got Joey Gallo for about four or five prospects. And um, I think Ezekiel Duran was, like, the, the highest prospect, and he's a shortstop prospect. The Yankees have, like, a million shortstop prospects. But I wasn't a fan of it because where do you put him in the outfield? Do you move Judge over to center? Do you let him play his natural position of right field? Do you put him at the God? Do you put him at third base? Do you put him in left field somewhere where he can't use? He's a fantastic defender. He can't use all of his defensive abilities. You know he strikes out a ton, a ton, a ton. He hits below two thirty. You know the Yankees lineup didn't need that at the time. But then after the other acquisition that we'll get into in a minute, it kind of made me feel a little bit better about it that he could do nothing but only help the Yankees. So I'm kind of softening up on it, especially since they didn't really give up a top 15 prospect for him either. Makes me feel a lot better. They did give up a lot, though. That five prospects is a lot to give up for a guy. But like I just said before with Barrios, you know, you get another year of control, you get exactly what you pay for. And he's also two years younger than Judge as well. Put that in the back of your mind because they both play the same position and they'll both be free agents after next year. So just keep that little tidbit in the back of your mind. All of next year. I'll remind you before that. Don't worry. And then number four, I touched on it before, but I want to get into it a little bit more now. The White Sox got Craig Kimber from the Cubs and Jesus Mary Francis. Who the hell is going to get past that Chicago bullpen? Who's going to get past? I don't really remember what the return was. I heard that Cody Hoyer and Nick Madrigal were the return for the Cubs. I don't know if that's if that's accurate. I saw it from an account on Instagram, I'm actually going to take a second, if you guys could just bear with me. Yes, okay, so it was Nick Madrigal and Cody Hoyer going the opposite way. It makes sense. I mean, now they have Cesar Hernandez as well, and they're just loaded with prospects up and down. So Madrigal is a really nice second base piece for the Cubs' future. I mean, he was having a fantastic year. He was probably going to be one of the top three rookies of the year in the AL um, before that leg injury. I think it was a leg injury. I'm pretty sure like a foot injury, ankle injury. I don't know. I can't keep up. Anyway, so they paid a lot to get him. They they gave up a pretty decent young reliever in Cody Hoyer, but I mean, you get one literally and I don't even I don't even want to hear any arguing. Literally a top 10 closer of all time in Craig Kimbrell. All time. You could you could argue with me until you're blue in the face. You cannot tell me that Craig Kimbrell is not a top 10 closer of all time. Anyway, so now you look at that the back end of that bullpen. Your starter goes five innings, say. So you got Garrett Crochet for the sixth. Then you got what? Tapera for the seventh. And then you could flip-flop, depending on how you're feeling that day. You want Craig Kimbrell for the eighth? Okay. Then here's Liam Hendricks for the ninth. You're feeling a little Aussie. You're feeling a little thunder down under for the eighth inning? All right, you put Liam Hendricks in the eighth. And then you get Craig Kimbrell in the ninth. It's disgusting. It's crazy. It's a ridiculous back end of the bullpen. They could have asked for so much more, I feel like, and the, and the White Sox would have paid. The White Sox are 100% going for it. Tony Larusa and his soapbox hair are, are, are not getting any younger, so he came here to guide this team to the World Series, and I believe that's actually what he's going to do this year. I do believe that the White Sox are going to mow down any competition they face in the playoffs. And then we are going to move on to, oh boy, what did I do here? I lost my list. Oh, it's right here. Never mind. 
So I'm going to move to, if it will allow me, that would be fantastic. Okay, sorry about that. Here we go. We are going to go to number three, which I don't agree with. I don't agree with Javier Baez to the Mets being number three. Sorry, I don't get it. When the Mets desperately need pitching, whether it be in the bullpen or be in the starting rotation, and the only acquisition they made besides for 412-year-old Rich Hill was Javier Baez, I don't, I don't buy it as the number three best move of the trade deadline. Yeah, like, oh boy, he's going to form a great double play partnership with Francisco Lindor. Okay, Lindor is on the IL right now, and when he comes back, El, El Mago is a great defender. The guy is just not there hitting-wise this year. I mean, yeah, he did hit like an absolute moonshot in his debut. I'm not really feeling this. I feel like the Mets... I don't... Listen. If you listen to previous episodes before the beginning of the season, no one was a bigger supporter of the Mets and wasn't a Mets fan than me. And the Mets fans just keep overhyping these guys that they're getting. It's unbelievable. Like, yes, Francisco Lindor... Amazing player, yes. Top five shortstop, yes. But they made him seem like this freaking demigod of a hitter. Like the man, the man's stats from his from four years ago to now have just plummeted over the past four years. Plummeted. I could pull up the stats for you if you want. If you want to text me on the side and be like, "What are those stats looking like?" I'll tell you. But I remember looking at it and it was not good. Defensively, he really hasn't been there that that either this year. And and now I feel like. I, I all across Instagram and Twitter. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Javier Baez, great player. What problems does he solve for the Mets right this second? Like, I don't really understand. Unless they really plan on re-signing him, or I'll 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 be honest. If they re-sign him, that is probably the best double play tandem defensively in baseball. If Baez plays second and Lindor plays short, but other than that, you're just gonna get a guy that literally does not walk strikes out a ton like I know that doesn't matter as much as it used to but no like Javier Baez has no plate discipline and strikes out a ton so I don't agree with that being the third best move of the trade deadline considering how crazy this trade deadline was don't really agree with it sorry but I guess it's a good move for now because Lindor is on the IL so at least Baez will be playing short for a little bit Number two, they have the Yankees getting Anthony Rizzo. These rankings don't really mean anything. In the grand scheme of things, maybe Anthony Rizzo to the Yankees isn't the second best move, but I loved it because Rizzo just brings, I don't know, like, already. He's been here three games, and I already see a change in the energy. First off, defensively, he is, like, leaps and bounds better than Luke Voigt, and I love my man Luke, but sayonara, buddy. You're getting traded because... I really hope the Yankees plan on re-signing Anthony Rizzo. The guy's a four-time gold glover. He's still only 31 years old. He's been your best hitter already for the three games that he's been on this team. He's been on base like 11 times in three games. He he is the spark plug. If the Yankees do make the playoffs this year, I am going to credit them making the playoffs to Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo because those would be the moves that kicked the Yankees in their ass and was like, let's get this shit going. Let's go. Anthony Rizzo's a proven veteran. He knows how to win, and he's won more recently than anyone that's in that locker room, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So that's even better right there. Uh, I love Rizzo as a player, as a person, great personality. If you see all of his interviews and everything, and, and the Yankees didn't give up too, too much for him. 
I think they did give up a top 15 prospect and then someone else. But then at the end of the day, the Cubs are paying the rest of his $6 million salary. So he's basically playing for the Yankees for free at this point. And like I said, prospects are great, but we don't know what they're going to be. Anthony Rizzo is a proven top eight first baseman for his entire career. Top five for most of that time. You know, the guy is awesome, and, and he's been spectacular in the three games since, and I hope he continues this torrid pace because I love Anthony Rizzo, and I do hope the Yankees re-sign him. I said that from the beginning. and that was, a, that was a move that I totally did not see coming. I didn't even think that Rizzo was on the radar for the Yankees. I thought he was going to Boston all the way. So really glad to have him. He looks great, and he's a major defensive upgrade over Luke Voigt, 1 million percent. And then the number one move on this list is the Dodgers getting Max Scherzer and Trey Turner from the Nationals. And someone brought up a good point. I saw a tweet that said that the Dodgers must have nude photos of every single GM or front office person in the entire league. And don't hit me with that bullshit that, oh, well, they sacrificed their top two prospects. Uh, um, Josiah Gray is going to be a spectacular right-handed pitcher. Um, and Kybert Ruiz is a switch in and catcher. Do me a favor. If you got time and you're listening to my voice right now, look up Kybert Ruiz's defensive metrics as a catcher, and he makes Gary Sanchez look like Johnny Bench. I really, really wish I was kidding when I said that, because you know how much I dislike Gary Sanchez, especially defensively. And then Josiah Gray, like, I looked at his stats and he's just not there yet. Like, yes, a prospect can unlock his potential once he makes it, you know, a, 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 a change of scenery, whatever it may be. Doesn't really look that great. I, I'm pretty sure. I don't really remember how old he was. I think he was like an an older young prospect, if that makes any sense to anyone who's listening. Let me take a look. Josiah Gray. Good God, I can't do any math whatsoever. What is this? He's, he's 20. He's going to be 24 already this year. So... Like, that should be the time where you're not a prospect anymore. If you're considered a top prospect, you should be in the major leagues. You should be contributing at some at some point. So hope maybe he'll make me eat my words or whatever. But those two guys, and I think it was like two mid-level prospects. For Max Scherzer, who I get, he's a rental. He might not. He might actually stay in L.A. He wants to stay on the West Coast. He's a West Coast guy. You know, he comes to L.A., whatever, three-time Cy Young Award winner. You know, he's a free agent at the end of the year. But the... If it was Josiah Gray and Kybert Ruiz for just Max Scherzer, I wouldn't even have batted an eye. I would have been okay. Why did Trey Turner have to be involved in this deal? Why did arguably one of the best shortstops in baseball with three and a half years of control left on his contract have to be moved as well? They could have gotten so much more. And I don't want to hear that bullshit that, oh, you're, you know, 37-year-old Max Scherzer. Um, they're really just paying for Trey Turner. Okay, so when Max Scherzer is on the mound in Game 7 of the World Series and winning the World Series for the Dodgers, you're going to tell me that they didn't trade for Max Scherzer. He was a throw-in for Trey Turner. Give me a fucking break. Come on. What are we doing here? I understand from from the Dodgers' standpoint why they got Trey Turner because it's almost certain that they're not going to re-sign Corey Seager because they're $400 trillion over the luxury tax. So they're going to try and cut corners where they have to. And Trey Turner is still on a very team-friendly deal where Corey Seager is going to probably want $30 million a year. And someone like the Yankees, Red, not the Red Sox, the Yankees or the, the Cincinnati Reds will give him something like that because they're in desperate need of a shortstop. 
So I get that. That's smart business on the Dodgers side of it. They're starting to look at it more, or at least in that move, they're starting to look at it more like, okay, well, we're at a $290 million payroll where the threshold is $210 million. So we're $80 million over the payroll for the, it will be the third year in a row, which means that your luxury tax will be 50%. So you will be paying, let me do some quick math here, $145 million in tax in tax on top of your $290 million payroll. So they're probably going to try and get at least, and you got to figure at this point, some sort of termination is going to be happening with, with Trevor Bauer because I don't want to get into that. I don't know the specifics. I didn't even look into it. All I know is that the case was gross. I don't really don't want to read about that kind of stuff on my Monday or Tuesday morning. So I won't subject you guys to it either. Look into it if you have any interest, but I think that he's done. I think that he... His loudmouth style and, and his his eccentric ways finally caught up to him, and, and maybe maybe he did do what this woman is accusing him of. We have no idea of knowing. We weren't there. Whatever. But the Dodgers do have to get somewhere close to the luxury to the to the threshold at some point. Can't keep going over and over and over because as much as you say that you don't care, $145 million out of the owner's, at the owner's group pocket is a lot of shkadol, let me tell you. I slammed my water down on the table. I'm sorry. I'm sweating. That was a lot of talking. Like I said, man, I do these shorter... I do these shorter episodes and I'm not used to talking as much. I, I get choked up. I have to drink a lot of water. I start to sweat. My my throat and my my voice are not prepared for this anymore. But I think I did a good job. We're we're moving past the fifty minute mark here, and this is exactly where I'm going to wrap up. I I I hope you guys enjoyed this little kind of recap. I know I'm a couple days late, but you know what? Life gets in the way, and also I wanted the dust to settle. I didn't want to record an episode and then something else crazy happens and then I miss it and then I have to record another episode. As much as I do love recording multiple episodes, you know. If it was going to be like a six or seven minute topic, what's the sense of recording that and putting it up as a podcast? You know what I mean? Uh, I got to cut that out. But thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this this episode. Uh, I will be coming to you again a couple times this week. Um, you will be hearing the Josh Hamilton video that will be in audio form as well in case you guys don't want to see my face or my video. I don't blame you guys. Whatever. Um, some I, I'm not going to lie. I always view my stuff that I make and I almost 100% of the time go to the audio version over the video version. And it's not because I don't want to see my face. It's just, I feel like it's so much easier just to go to the audio version. So, you know, hopefully if you guys are just strictly audio, you will be able to hear that Josh Hamilton video eventually when it comes out. I'm hoping sometime this week, almost done writing it. Um, and then obviously production will take place right after that. So I'm super excited about that. As the news comes out for this week, obviously I will be posting about it. I will be making videos about it. I will be doing podcast episodes about it. I love it. I fell back in love with it. I love getting behind this mic and I love you guys listening to me. So thank you so much for the support. We're climbing on YouTube as well. We're up to 653 subscribers, a number that I didn't think was possible this year not even close wasn't even in my plan so thank you guys so much for that let's keep the numbers the numbers are going crazy on the podcast as well can't thank you guys enough for the support i'll stop rambling here i'll end right here thank you so much for listening i hope that i made your monday morning better if you're listening on monday 
Thank you so much for listening. You guys have a great day. I will see you next time.